Hey everyone, this is Founders 365 with me, Stephen Hagti. Today I'm joined by Sarah Jolly Javis. And I'm not even sure if I said your name right, but I love the name. Anyway. <laughs> I've it, never had Javis before. Jarvis. Jarvis, sorry. It is French, it's French, apparently. Jarvis, Jarvis, maybe. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, sure. How are you today, Sarah? I'm good, thank you. Good, yeah, very good. Thank you very much. So, you are, I'd probably say, and I'm sure someone else has branded this, but like the queen of sales in terms of teaching people how to sell without being a sleazebag effectively, right? Pretty much. Yeah, that, that cool. is, that, that's me in a nutshell. Job done. Great. Thanks for being on the show. You've been guest number 43 <laughs> and I'll uh, speak to you soon. Right. <laughs> Let, let's jump into how you first got got started in sales because it it's Whenever I hear your like twelve year journey of doing the big sales, I just sometimes think of like a, it's like an American film, and <laughs> you're set, you're going around hospital to hospital. I'm sure it wasn't like that. <laughs> Fill me in in terms of what you were doing to get to where you are now. Okay, so I think I think most people just end up in sales. Um, I think I've met two people in my entire sales career. Um, who actually aspired to be a salesperson. I mean, you don't, you don't do, you don't wake up one day as a child and go, I'm going to be a salesperson. You're going to be no. a fireman or a doctor or a nurse or something. Um, sales doesn't really, you know, normally get on the radar. Um, I was doing a placement year uh, with Mars uh, Electronics. So Mars, the chocolate people, one of their divisions. And um, I watched the sales guys come in and out the office and I was like, that looks better than my job. Um, and um, I didn't like office environment. I didn't like the having to be present, sat on a chair for like a set amount of time per day. And then I got to go home. I wanted to, to you know, to it to be about actually what value I was providing, mm. what I was doing, what I was generating as far as income was concerned. Um, and, you know, sales is is more like that. It's less about the, the set time and more about the, you know, as long as you're bringing in the business, um, that they're not bothered about the time that you you are or you're not working or whether you have an extra long coffee break or whatever. Um, you know, there's that, there's that flexibility and it's about trading my skills for money rather than yeah. my time. Exactly. For you, going from sort of the corporate corporate thing, let's call it, to where you are now. So obviously you run an agency with your husband and you're branching out or going back into what you love best I'm guessing yeah so so the corporate world was because I was in like the extreme corporate world so <laughs> lots of sales scenarios they actually like let you write stuff down and things like that whereas I was in like medical sales um, yeah. pharmaceutical sales so it's really highly regulated um and so there is literally no scope for, for ad-libbing you know you've got you've got to stick it's all with that. Sort of thing. Like you can't even you can't even underline something because apparently that might be you know um really? misleading a, a customer so wow. it was mental um and so it was very highly regulated you know you can't say that you can't say that um so it was a real shock coming into the real world um or the business world um i was really lucky that for mm, sort of four or five years before i made the step of going you know all in um I'd been working in startups with Martin. So I'd been involved in the, the more normal world as opposed yeah. to the highly regulated corporate world. Did you almost have um, to relearn everything then? Sorry? Did you almost have to relearn everything? Um, I got I had to relearn the fact that there was things that you actually could do and you could actually you were allowed say that. To underline. And, 
I still find it really shocking, actually, that some people that like I'm like they can't say that. That's not true. Um, and and yeah, and I'm not allowed to underline things if I want to. Um, I can even write things down. Um, it's just it, it. You know, that was it was very very regulated. Mm. Uh, you know, there was no um a way of tagging your customer and getting in front of them online, and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's just that was a different world, the lead gen side of stuff. Um, yeah. so yeah, it was it was really really different. Um, but. I, I liked the, the the working, you know, working for yourself and everything else. And then when I had a family, I was like, there's no way I can go back to this corporate job. Um, so I was like, right, okay, I'm going to go all in with uh, with what was my side hustle. Um, and so I did, I started off doing sales training. Um, and then I got involved with the, the lead gen side of things because mm -hmm. I, can't possibly leave someone to to look after that sort of stuff without getting involved with the customer experience and the customer onboarding and the sales. So I did that, um, and so yeah. So we're now yeah we're um, we both part own uh, the the um, agency side of things, and then. To be honest, the training, I was like, you know what? I want to do more of the training, not just people where we're generating them leads and then they're not getting the return they want. I want it to be a separate entity because mm. what actually I'm, I'm really passionate about, um, about being yourself um, and, you know, not becoming this mini guru who walks around like a little robot just repeating phrases that's worked for them 10 years ago. Um, yeah. You know, I wanted people to, to actually... Um, get to hear that and it's it won't get it doesn't get heard in the agency because the it's it's all intermingled with lead generation and everything else so it yeah. needs to stand on its own to be heard properly what's some of the things that has really shocked you when you when you speak to people about sales because from where i stand it seems like lots of people fear selling fear putting themselves out there and selling their product or their service well, the reason that I was like, right, you know, when I went all in with sales, I went in with sales training was because I really liked, there's loads of people out there who they're really good at what they do. And I see it time and time again, they're like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm much better than that competitor. And yet that competitor is absolutely killing it. And, you know, my product's better, my offering's better. Um, but it, it's just the fact they're marketing themselves and selling themselves really badly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what? who I like working with are people who are good at what they do, but what they do isn't the sales and marketing. Um, or at least it's not as far as, you know, themselves are concerned. Um, and so I, re I really like working with those. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where it, it sort of came from. Yeah. Um, as far as what I'm shocked with, I always find it really... I, I want to sometimes rattle people um, because they want to give away the sales side of things. You know, I don't know. I think sometimes it is a bit of a, you know, the whole idea of hustling and everything else that you've got to do. You know, it's not glamorous. Um, you know, I, I did a, a workshop the other night and I've been chatting to some of the people post workshop and, and I'm just like, you know what, this is all really quite unsexy. You know, it's all consistency. <laughs> it's all just actually getting your hands dirty. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the whole scrabbling around the whole having conversations with people, I think people hope there's a quicker fix. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, actually their thought process is, you know, what, I'm going to hire somebody. Um, yeah. And then, and I think that's my biggest key shocker is that people want to hire somebody on on commission only basis, mm. and then they think that person is going to represent their business better than them, and it's just that's just not the case. Why do people Why do people go for that then? Why do people not want to get their hands dirty? 
Um, I think it's a com it's a confidence thing. I mean, like sales is proper putting yourself out there. Um, and, you know, you are setting yourself up for rejection, feedback you don't want to hear, particularly when it's your business, because you mm. think this is an amazing idea. Your friends, your family have told you it's an amazing idea. Um, and so, you know, anything to the contrary is a bit painful. And then painful on top of painful on top of painful. And you, you want to just avoid it. Um, I think there is sometimes people are a bit like, you know, I didn't. I didn't sign up for this. I'm, I'm kind of above this sort of level of doing stuff now and actually you know I I still I I'm I do sales training um I have clients that I work with on a on a retainer and mentorship basis um I still do the the, the sales for our I still head up, head up the sales for our agency um and because you know I, I enjoy it um yeah. but yeah it's hard work yeah cold calling um with my little headset on um is painful at times um but actually you know I actually get sometimes to have some really nice conversations with really random people I'd have never actually spoken to otherwise um so you know it, it is it is swings roundabouts but I think people think oh somebody else can do a better job than me or I just don't want to do it I just find mm -hmm. it too painful and uncomfortable you are much better off skilling up yourself so that you feel confident and happy with it than you mm -hmm. are handing it over do you think every single person has the ability to sell or do you think there's some people that it, it just could never, they could never learn it properly? Um, I think 99% of people can sell. Um, and I think it, particularly if you're selling in your own style, if you're not trying to follow some guru with some random phrasing you'd never use, if you stay true to yourself, as long as you're capable of communicating with people, um, as long as you've managed to persuade somebody to do something they didn't want to do in your entire life, um, then you have skills to draw upon to, to build the ability to sell. Um, mm. Nobody will sell your business as well as you, um, particularly in the early stages. Um, you know, when you scale and everything else, you're going to have to get people in. Um, but to start with, you know, it, it's, it's down to you because um, you're the person who will best rep represent them. Um, to get somebody who's decent, who's going to be passionate, you're looking at a really decent wage um, yeah. and, then, and then commission on top um and because if they were that good they would they would find that so yeah exactly when someone reaches out to you or when you start working with someone what's your process to figure out their style so uh we talk a lot around situations we do a lot of role play um so martin finds that entire idea hilarious um but it's a lot less exciting than it sounds um so I pretend to be customer and they go through their spiel and we talk through so it's a lot about I say look this is what I'd say what sort of wording would you feel comfortable saying with that um and so normally they'll come up with the sort of their take on it they'll practice it it's all about the practicing um so you know their natural style it, it's it's showing yourself because at the end of the day if particularly if you're a coach or something like that who somebody's going to be working with they need to get that experience of who you actually are. Because if you're pretending to be somebody you're not, you're mis-selling yourself. Mm. And then that's when you end up working with somebody that you think, oh, my God, how did I attract you? You're a total nightmare. Um, so, you know, it's working through with them um, what they're currently saying and building on it yeah. um, rather than, than, you know, starting it from scratch. And when they're at that stage, when they're going through that role play and you'll pretend to be the customer, what are some of the things that they like the, the common things that they do wrong the ones that you just go oh my god this is like the seventh person this week yeah. <laughs> that normally comes like one of my lives <laughs> I get to the end of the day and I'm like I can't take this anymore yeah um it's it's normally around like there's no structure to the call so that they start a conversation with somebody but they actually have no idea where this is going to go they've got no aims for the conversation yeah. so if they're not got an idea of where they're heading 
the conversation ends up being a nice chat and before you know it the chat's finished and no one's agreed yeah. anything um there's that um, and then sometimes the customer takes charge as well which is even more painful um and then there's not asking any questions um there's the throwing just features at people um rather than actually letting that person know what that means to them mm-hmm. um and then there's the very vague you know, sort of apologetic information around pricing um and sorry, then you know, much, but uh, i need to you know <laughs> It's it it's it, 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 yeah. It, that, uh, pricing's a key. Yeah. People are like, no, ground swallow me up. Um, I normally talk to people about like what's the most common like question and what, what's the most painful question they tend mm-hmm. to get asked, and a lot of people don't actually practice that. So they'll go from call to call thinking, please don't say that, please don't think <laughs> this, please don't ask this, and then they'll they'll ask it and they'll go through yeah. the same process of answering it really badly. Um, so before you get on a call you know, going through actually what you'd say and saying it out loud, that really mm-hmm. helps. Um, so that actually your practice, so when that person says it, you're like, actually, I don't need the ground to swallow me up because I've got a really good answer for that. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing is, if you know your products, then you know the things that come up time and time again. So yeah. you, you practice for it. Exactly. Other than the obvious in terms of sales, aka it helps you create a business and keeps the lights on and pays you and pays staff. <laughs> why else is why else is getting really good at sales so important um it's it's well when i i went i went and did a lecture yesterday at Aston union i was like i said to the students i was like every single one of you in here if you ever want a job needs to sell mm. um and you need to tell yourself over the other candidates you know like some of the key people out there who they sell but they don't officially have a sales hat on are like doctors physios people teachers um, there's, it's such a skill. Um, it's really useful. And actually a lot of the questioning, so understanding actually what's motivating somebody, I use in arguments a lot, um, to try and figure out what that person is actually getting at. Um, so it's like, I get you're saying this, but where does this come from and what does that actually mean? And what does that, what, what's that meaning to you? Um, because a lot of the time what someone's saying and actually what's driving that, what they're saying are, are two different things. Massively. You, you mentioned some good points there in terms of, the industries that you don't necessarily associate with sales and yet mm. I'm a, you know I'm a firm believer everyone sells everything right if, if you yeah. want if you want anything you, you're pretty much selling in some aspect but why do you think in the industries that aren't obvious the sales training aspect isn't pushed further I know it's probably absorbed in terms of like communication training or something along mm. those lines but do you think that if people knew actually or understood the, the foundations of selling, they would then be able to be a, a better teacher, a better doctor, all these other industries. Definitely. I think, you know, you would adapt it. So, um, you know, I have done training with people who haven't been an outright salesperson. Um, in today's, you know, as, as business has evolved, you've got your businesses are so much more accessible to your customer. Mm. You know, you've got so many different platforms they can whinge at you on or question and ask you a question or find out about product information. There's, you know, like that you're so accessible now um, that actually there's so many more customer facing elements to a business, whether you're on your own or you've got a team. Yeah. And then there used to be so customer service, you know, like any accounts queries, uh, technical support, all that, all that sort of thing. You're all, it's all about, um, you know, if you're customer facing, if you're having that interaction, you're selling. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's a lot, it's a lot harder to, to sort of hide in the background, probably HR. 
and some of the main finance people um, HR, can help. But other than that, yeah, HR should just yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> permanently yep. throw away the key. But yep. uh, <laughs> we're not getting HR. into a HR debate. This is yeah. Let's not get into a HR debate. That's that um, people but, <laughs> but you know, you, you've. You're, if you're customer facing that you are representing that business if you're representing the business then you are in an element of sales yeah massively uh, technology is an interesting one you know social media and all that kind of stuff how has that changed the way you've personally sell over the last couple of years um a lot more well obviously back in the corporate world there was no texting there was no nothing like that well is now Text, messenger. There, there was no sorry there was no texting Texting, the there's no texting your customer. My God, uh, that okay. been, um, texting was around. You know, we're not talking. Texting about that. was around. It was yeah. around, but um, but yeah, it wasn't um, it wasn't an, an option for us to to be texting and in particular yeah. like even or selling. Um, you could let somebody know you were running late, but that's about it. Um, whereas actually, Messenger, um, I'm WhatsApp and and text message, um, is a lot more is a lot more common um and you know I, I know people I've worked with people who they've purely you know they've pretty much done the entire transaction over over messenger or over text um so that's definitely changed things um you know the, the ability to text people rather than ring you know people when your phone rings and you're like oh my god it rings um you know, it's, like, it's, it's like he's like well it's making a noise you know like it's, yeah. it's like the last thing that you expect it to do now um yeah. whereas you know it used to be it would be phone calls, it would be face-to-face. -face. Like, you know, I was talking to somebody, I got chatting to someone like you do, um, on the train yesterday and they were a salesperson. And um, they were saying that actually lots of my calls now are done over Skype or Zoom because yeah. people don't want that face-to-face. -face. And do you think that has changed the way people buy as well in terms of the relationship with, with a service provider or product? I think so. And I think also it, it, it restricts you in the amount of information you're getting from a customer. So like their environment, um, their body language, it's, it can get a lot more mm -hmm. difficult to to see, particularly on Messenger, tonality. Like yeah. actually, how is that being delivered? What do they mean by that? And, you know, you can you can totally get the wrong end of the stick. You know, two people, three people can read the same same conversation and take something totally different from it. Yeah. How do you overcome um, that from a sales perspective how do you overcome that i think it's uh, it's a lot more so i get people to reiterate things a lot more so you know am i right in thinking is this the priority you've got to ask a lot more clarifying questions mm -hmm. um because before you know it you've gone off on a tangent um because you've picked up on something that was really insignificant a bit like when you're in an interview and somebody picks up on that little bit of your cv that you fibbled on um <laughs> and before you know it like you're down some rabbit hole um, and that's what can happen because you're not getting that understanding. You're not getting them sitting forward, sitting back, crossing their arms, all that sort of stuff because you don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And if if someone is going to go down that rabbit hole or accidentally go down that rabbit hole, I should say, how do they, how does the seller then claw it back? Um, well, hopefully the, the the person you're selling to at some point will say to you, actually, that's not my main priority or um, actually that, that's not what I'm interested in or something. And then you're going to have to go back to, OK, well, what what is the, the most important thing? You know, and I'm, I'm very much a case of, you know, I'd be like, oh, sorry, you know, I totally got the wrong end of the stick there. What what is, you know, admit that actually I've, I've made a bit of a mess up here. Yeah. Um, you know, let me know, point me in the right direction of what I should be doing. Exactly. In terms of sales as a as a general field, 
what are some of the myths that you've seen crop up in, in recent times? That's always a no. I love the sales myths that I've seen out there. Oh, I think the thing is, is it's that whole, because I remember putting up a post, which I wish then I hadn't done, because I was like, my God, does everyone think that about salespeople? <laughs> but I was like, you know, if I say sales, what do you think? Oh, my what word. It was really bad. Um, and I think, you know, to be fair, there's a lot of people historically out there and, and still out there who don't represent sales very well. Um, you know, they don't do it any favors. They are pushy. I mean, I spoke to somebody in the States um, about six, eight months ago now, and they were saying, you know, I have this script and they went through this script with me. And this person was a lovely person, but they followed this script. And it was like, if the customer says this, and one of the, one of the examples was they were selling to women and it was like, you know, I need to go away and talk to my husband about this um, or partner about this. And, and like I was, she was supposed to say, I thought this was your business, not your husband's. Um, you know, is your relationship like that where you can't make a decision on your own? Wow. And like, these are her options. And I'm like, and and what, you know, would you actually ever say that to anybody in a conversation? Yeah. She was like, well, no. And I was like, well, why are you saying it now then? And I think that's the thing is, is people can switch. I mean, I used to go out with sales teams and um, I used to sit there and it'd be so funny because this person would be like a normal human being and they'd be just chatting away with their customer. And then they go, right then. And they'd like literally like change their body. Sales mode activated. Yeah, it was like sales mode activated. Enough of the niceties. And it was like, actually, it's just a conversation. You're just mm. following on from, from what you've been talking about. But so often people feel the need to go into this different mode. And it's just, mm. it's you've got to fight that urge. You've got to stay stay with who you are um, and, and use your style of communicating to, to get to the point where people are buying from you. Exactly. For that sort of style, though, do you think it still happens as much because of the amount of free thing, free training out there, you know, YouTube, films, all this kind of stuff? Do you think that scripted, I've got to do this, if this, then that style is still being taught as much as it used to be? I know it's being taught. I don't know if it's as much as it used to be. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely still out there. People want it. Um, really? Yeah, we, we've had conversations um, where, you know, mine's been like, well, if you just create some sort of script, I'm not creating a script. <laughs> um, you know, I, I there's, there's key questions. You can write yourself a form that you can fill in, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But literally word for word, you know, you've got to respond. You're a, a, a grown adult capable of communicating you know no one you're not like I'm gonna have a conversation with this person mm. so you know I'm gonna write this down you know like you might want some key points you want to cover but you're not gonna write down word for word and then sit there in front of somebody and flick through well now I've got to say this you just you know be a human um yeah. but it's it's having the confidence to be a human and it's having the skills there that you know so that you naturally just do these things um it's practicing those skills it's having those skills taught to you um, so that you feel confident and you can draw on them as and when you need to. Mm. So in your head should be a little toolkit. It might start off as being a written version that you would read through before you go into a call. Um, but I'm from the world of you were in front of a customer. So there's no way in front of a customer I could be like, wait a minute, your answer isn't here. Yeah. I just got to go to volume two. Reminds me of that Friends episode where Phoebe is working in the call centre and like she doesn't have the answer in front of her and so she freaks out. <laughs> exactly yeah, you know, like that, that's what you're looking at it's um yeah you you know you, at the end of the day you're you're a human you're capable of communicating in that language mm. um it's about feeling confident and having those little skills yeah do you think the confident aspect is is the first hurdle that you always have to come across with people 
I think confidence is a massive thing. Um, but I think that confidence comes from knowledge. And if you feel knowledgeable, if you feel empowered, so a lot of concerns around pricing come from the fact that, mm. you know, when I actually start to question people of where, where did your pricing come from? They did literally pick it out of thin air. And if you've plucked it out of thin air, then, and it's not based on it. Um, and I was talking to a client earlier and um, she was doing a little testimonial for me. And she was like, you know, one of the things that she was absolutely bricking it when it came to her pricing. Um, and it was different. She was going to be charging for back holidays and stuff. Um, it was it was a retainer. It's nursery. So it's mm -hmm. childcare. Um, and um, she was worried about all this. You know, it was totally against the grain. She was charging more. She was new. She was like, I'm not going to do it. And I was like, right, go away look at what everyone else is charging, look at what they're offering mm. um, and look at what you're offering and then, you know, figure out from there actually where, where where's the value, what value are you adding that they're not and vice versa. And it's just being really honest with yourself. But once you've equipped yourself with that knowledge, she, she actually said on a testimonial video, she was like, well, once I knew that, I was a bit like, yeah, this is my price. And, um, you know, that's it. There was no apology. There was no yeah. nothing um and yeah you know the confidence and the the value she was offering she's been fully booked since three months of opening Boom. Uh, the waiting list and i was like yeah. you could have charged more <laughs> um but she's going to be she's but, happy she's happy that's she's the happy. main thing that's the main. <laughs> do you, do you, in terms of the pricing do you find people seem to undervalue or overvalue their pricing regularly under mm. um the vast majority of the people that i work with um, they don't feel that they come to me because they're not feeling confident. Um, the people that I find more tricky are the ones that are coming to me and they, they, they're very confident in themselves and their own abilities. And I've got a 10 grand product. And, and then when you start actually looking at it, it's like, how many 10 grand products have you sold? None. Yeah. Um, you know, you're naturally, you're struggling to attract the right person. Um, the vast majority of people, they're not confident. It comes from an unconfident place. And so underpricing comes from an unconfident place yeah exactly so for you this year you've obviously you just launched it well you just completed a mini challenge right a mini it was nine, a workshop it was in silenced sales workshop so 99 pounds and you returned 500 yeah so That's i was with that it was interesting actually because my normal demographic is female yeah. um and actually i got quite a few guys and I think because I got more guys than girls, actually. And I oh, think that came changed. from... Why, why? Well, I think that's because it was pretty gutsy. You know, like yeah. I was a bit like, unapologetically, mm. I know I can generate you more income. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was £99. And I said, if you don't make five times that back, then you'll get your refund. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I got them as we were going through um, to, to put in the chat, you know, actually, how, are you doing this already? And, and lots of people I've spoken to already have been like, actually, that was really a light bulb moment for me. And, and this was really good. And mm -hmm. this was really helpful. And so, you know, it, it was it's it's fundamental stuff that I found people do again and again wrong, um, which I've put together as a kind of like, if this is you, this is the action steps you need to take. And I think that's where a lot of coaching is missing is the action steps. You yeah. have people who will create these wonderful ideas for you and then they'll go, right, so go away and implement it. And you're like, mm -hmm. well, I don't know where to start because this was your idea. Um, whereas I like to break things down with people into manageable steps. So, you know, where they want to be and where they are. So I end up working with a lot of startups because they don't have any sales um, and they want sales. And, they need it. Um, and so, you know, and, and that's taking it step by step. Of, yeah. You've got to do this and then you've got to do that and you've got to do the other. Um, in, so, terms yeah. of, in terms of working with startups, do you find the, the same issues are cropping up 
when you're working with sort of the the sole sole trader or the one man band sort of situation. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, people tend to. It's it's really lovely, and it takes me back to when we first like our first startup, where you know you want all the bells and whistles, you want the website, you want all the pretty designs, and then you're like, oh. And now we better, you know, we better put that out now and see if we've got any customers. And then it's like, you know, I'm always like, let's test. Let's test as cheaply as possible. Um, you know, let's mock up. People are like, oh, but I want a nice design. And it's like, I know you do, but you don't need it right now. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, is that evolving? You, you know, you've got to get in front of your ideal customer. So the best thing is when somebody comes and they're like, I found this need um and i don't know how to meet that need and that's that's the great thing when somebody comes to you with an all singing or dancing widget and they're like please help me find the people who want my widget that's when it's a bit more tricky why is that trickier um because they've done it they've they've created it in isolation of their mm. well of, of, a, of a of a customer yeah. um so they've they've created this friends and family tend to say to them oh that's a great oh, idea great. yeah yep great and then you're like okay buy it Oh, I don't need one of those right now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they, they, no one wants to, you know, to burst your bubble. So you've mm -hmm. created this thing. Um, everyone wants you to succeed. They, you know, they're, well, mostly they do. Um, you do get the odd relative, but, you know. Um, and, um, and so, you know, everyone's trying to be positive for you. But actually then you end up going down, again, a bit of a rabbit hole with yeah. a, a design or a creation. And you haven't actually spoken to somebody who would part with the money for it um or who would then look to use it and so the likelihood of you getting that offering spot on is is really quite it's really quite low and then the the lot of people don't do the research needed I mean there is so much research you know competitors people who are offering the same outcome as you but aren't doing the same mechanism as you mm. um what are your USPs is there any reason they should use you versus Doris down the road um it's all that sort of stuff um and so that's where you know finding out that information before you build a website before you get a brand before you even get a name um is really important yeah massively how do you make sure that you stay relevant in your own business in terms of still generating sales and standing out from the crowd um knowing else what else is out there so doing your market research on it um, you know, and, and bit of, a bit of a reality check, really. Where are we? Where are we versus other things? What's going on in the market? Um, you know, what barriers are there in the market to somebody else setting up doing the same thing? Um, you know, USPs are massive, but if you, you know, if you sit on your laurels with the USPs, people can catch you up. Yeah, massively. Um, if you see so someone else doing what you're doing, how do you look at them? Do you look at them as competition, collaboration, or do you just go, oh, I really wish they weren't doing that? Um, I think... I think it depends on your confidence, really, doesn't it? But, like, from my point of view, I'm like, I only have a finite amount of time. Mm. Um, and so I can't teach everybody who I'd like to um, yeah. how to sell um, or, you know, how to, to generate more income in their business. I can't do it. Um, so for me, I like the fact that there are other people. Um, I get very upset when they're not on the same wavelength with how you should sell. When they're selling um, and, and that's that's where I tend to go off on one is when yeah. someone's that aggressive back people in the corner telling them absolutely loads of bullshit kind of stuff. Yeah. That's where that perplexes me. But in the main, um, as long as they've, they've got that same sort of approach and that they're coming at it from the same angle, the more the merrier um, because that will help us turn around what people, people's perceptions of sales. Yeah. Um, and, you know, multiple people banging the drum is much better than you on your own. Massively. But you're, 
you know, it screams to me that you're just someone that is so ethical in terms of how you teach and how you want to deliver and how, but most importantly, how you want other people to deal with their customers and, and deal with their clients and deal with anyone, even if it's not their clients, uh, which is really nice to see because I think there's so much of that. I would probably, probably not the right way to say it, but I would say like Americanized, mm. like we said, scripted, you've got to be on the phone 24 seven, all that, those kind of elements that when you first, when I first thought of sales years ago, that's how I thought. I was like, oh, that's how it's done. Yeah. And there's a huge fear over that. Um, you know, a big industry in the UK is obviously like recruitment. And that's that mm. style is still driven in that a lot. <laughs> it and, is. You know, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, you've got to have call time. It's like, oh, my God, no. Yeah. Why are they doing that? Uh, I know a couple of my friends, they work for companies that are still in that sort of framework. And I'm just like, how? The, how does that the, even the work? Aggressive selling is yeah. not. It doesn't do us any favors. And the thing is, is it should be a long-term relationship, and it should be a win-win situation. And that's what gets you returning customers. Because at the end of the day, mm. it's expensive to find customers. Um, it takes time, or it takes money, or it takes both. Um, so you know, you want to hold on to that customer. So it, the whole aggression, the whole selling somebody something that actually doesn't fit their need, it, it is really wrong. It's really yeah. unethical. Um, and that's just not my background in in the pharmaceutical world, where you know, like. You, you know, if you miss sell somebody something in that, mm. that, that's major consequences. And, and maybe that's kind of affected my outlook on it as, you know. Yeah, I think massively. It is right and wrong. There is right and yeah. wrong to it. And, you know, you shouldn't be selling somebody that that isn't something that's going to work for them um, mm -hmm. or you don't believe is going to work for them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's I, – I, when I did the presentation yesterday, they had a little bit of a lecture beforehand. So they had like 15 minutes and then me. And they showed the Wolf of Wall Street – yeah. Um, the 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 one where he was stood up there with his microphone telling yeah. them all to solve all their problems with sales and she was like and they were talking about management styles and she was like what do you think of this and they were like well he was really passionate I couldn't help it I stood up and I went you do not do that in the real world <laughs> like, that is not how you sell I was like if yeah. you want a short career in sales do that I was like if you want a long career in sales look after your customers mm. and that's the thing is, is if you look after your customers whether it's in your business or for somebody else's business, they'll, they're your asset. They'll come yeah. like when I was in sales, my customers would follow me to a different company. If I started selling a different product, a competitor product, and they knew that. And that's why they would pay you more to, to move to their business, their company. Um, you know, it, they really are an asset, whether it's for you or somebody else. Yeah. So it's almost not even about the product or service. It's about you. No, I, I've had some, you know, if you've got a portfolio of products, you'll have the odd elephant in there um, mm -hmm. because they can't be good at everything. And I used to say to my customers, look, I've got sales targets for this. Um, can you give it a try and let me know? But I, I'm not convinced. And they'd give it a whirl and they'd go, "Nah, it's not that good. And then we'd <laughs> move on. Um, and I'd just be like, look, I'm just not doing it. Like I, yeah. I, I had a, I had a manager who sailed very close to the wind and um, I was like, I'm not doing yeah, that. Not my style. Um, it's not my style. Yeah, but that's so good that you know you knew your style, and that's what you're now teaching others. You know, to figure out their style yeah. without figure out the style yeah. without being the sleaze bag, like you said. Um, yeah. What no What else bag. have you? Yeah, the, or the sneeze bag. Uh, <laughs> what else? What else have you got coming up this year that is gonna that is gonna sort of help others? So this year I've got, I've launched a new program, which is an accelerator program. So people work one-on-one -on -one with me for eight weeks. Um, so that gets them um, accelerating through the, the process. 
So we look at where they are and where they're going to be, and then I speed that process up. So, um, yeah, uh, as some of my clients say, I do give them the kick up the rear end. Um, so I provide a lot of accountability, a lot of tools, mm. so that they can they can make that transition quickly, and it then equips them to to continue on that trajectory. What sort um, of people are you? What sort of people do you attract into that? Well, I've got one for people who are doing more startups and one for established businesses. Um, so um, it's it's a real range. So I've got someone at the moment who's uh, looking at setting up a um, female taxi company. Um, and then, <laughs> I know. And then I've got um, marketing guys in there. I've got all sorts of people in there um who you know that they're looking it, it tends to be more the one-on-one the coaching that sort of yeah. thing um where people are wanting to to increase particularly to get a steady influx of potential customers as well as to get generate those customers into you know convert those customers into paying paying customers so step away from that feast or famine situation exactly that up and down feast or famine and also like you can be really really good at you know converting inquiries into sales but you've mm. got to get those inquiries yeah exactly so otherwise you're never gonna have that great conversation anyway no no <laughs> you can be really practiced and i can give you all these skills and i'm like have you used them yet no have you no, used them yet? Oh, damn it. yeah exactly and then we have to do role play instead so <laughs> it's much better for them to go you know what i had this cracking conversation with this person yeah. this happened or this wasn't so good and and i can't train somebody in mm. you know post-call analysis if they haven't had a call exactly so my final question to you is and i ask all my guests this but if you could give three sales tips to mm. startups or you know that that more established business what would those three hot sales tips be established or not the first thing you've got to do is make sure you know who your ideal customer is and make sure that you're talking to them and really really hone in on that because a lot of problems come from you trying to be something to everybody and you just can't do it um, you need to be talking to somebody you need to be resonating with that person you'll attract other people and of course you're not going to turn them away but you need that very, very clear message. Once you're clear and really laser focused on who you want, um, you know, you attract them, you attract them with what, what you're saying, you find them when you're doing your business development. Um, you know, so really understanding that customer avatar, um, mm. the ideal customer is, is super, super important, regardless of how established you are, because it does evolve. You know, you should always be looking back and, and figuring out, am I still on track? Have I gone a bit off piece? Where am I? What am I doing? Um, the other thing is, is, Listen to your customer. Um, one of the key things about sales is it's actually a decent opportunity for market research. And it's as much information you can gather from somebody saying no as somebody saying yes. Um, and I know it's really painful, but if somebody's like, no, I'm not interested, delve that a little bit deeper and find out why. Um, if you can't bring yourself to do it, get a friend to do it and do a bit of a skill swap. So you'll ask their, their no's and you can they can ask yours. Mm. Um, but really delve in and, and understand where that customer's coming from. Um, and my third thing would be is to always put the customer first as far as, you know, what you're what you're producing. You know, if 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 you've got a major drawback in your product offering and you could easily fill that drawback, then do it. Um, you know, make life easier for yourself, make it as easy as possible for that customer to buy from you. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's really, really busy. The markets are really, really busy. There's loads of people fighting for their money um you know you've got to prioritize them um and that includes following them up there we go there's a cheeky fourth one there the follow-up it was no i was including it that <laughs> was all encompassing focus it's, on your customer make it as all, easy as possible 
they all have to be with each other though don't they you can't just do one without the other so it's all one big tip basically yes it is it's it's big tip know who you're aiming at look after them yeah Sarah really appreciate your time if anyone wants to get in touch with you to become a better salesperson in their business or just have a general sales chat perhaps what's the best way for them to do that um, I am the only Sarah Jolly Jarvis in the world. Um, really? So I have my <laughs> I have my Facebook page. Even if you spell it wrong, I still come up. Um, it, I'm, I've got my Facebook page. I've got my Facebook profile. Um, so, you know, I'm super contactable on that. Um, you can get me on Messenger. Um, so, yeah, you know, please do. Um, because Excellent. I just want to spread that sales love. Yeah. No. <laughs> and you certainly are. You're doing it in the best way possible and in an ethical way, which I love. Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. You've been guest number 43 on Founders 365. I've been Stephen Hagsey. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening.